Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck Gun Podcast. What's going on, folks? Thanks for joining me on another episode of the Duck Gun Podcast. I'm Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, and I'm a, and I got my <laughs> gray bearded co-host, who's always making fun of me for butchering his name, Freelance Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting. How you doing tonight, Elliot? <laughs> you did, you did it again. You did it again. You messed it up. It's all right. It's all right. Hey, I that was wasn't watching, that bad. <laughs> well, listen, listen. I was watching, uh, listening to a podcast. Have you ever have you heard of the podcast Revisionist History? No, it's a fantastic podcast and they have all sorts of, well, once one whole episode was about when you're trying to speak and you misspeak and you misspeak on the same things over and over and over again, there's actually hidden meaning to it. <laughs> and, uh, and they talk in depth about Elvis and how Elvis that are in a particular song always, when he sang the song messed up this line and they had psychologists on and they were talking about it and everything. So I'm starting to think there must be something to your, you're trying to say Elliot from freelance duck hunting. I don't know, because I'm not thinking about anything. So, no, it's a subconscious thing. It's almost like a Freudian. It's a, it's like a Freudian slip, but not exactly the same. But basically, a Freudian slip is when you say something that you subconsciously mean, but you don't think you mean it. You know. Well, little it's known fact, ballpark. little known fact, I actually, like had terrible, like a, a pretty bad speaking problem when I was a kid, like to the point where, um, like my parents thought I was deaf, like. <laughs> Oh man. <laughs> I mean, not to that point, but I went to like a listening, you know, uh, specialist and they, to test my hearing. And, um, my parents were always telling me enunciate. Right. So, um, and I think I told you about this before. So public school going in, like I, I was, I was homeschooled and then going into public school and then like doing speech class. I was like terrified to do speech class. And, uh, <laughs> and now you have a podcast and now, yeah, now <laughs> wow. I talk, Every week, all the time, to people all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I might think you need to go into like every once in a while, <clears throat> but I'll take every that. time. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to go around to public schools and like give inspirational uh, uh, lectures and speech classes. I don't know. I that. was once like you, my children, <laughs> and now look at my success as a as a waterfowl podcaster. <laughs> I once was a. Uh, Nose picker too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway. So did you see the did you see the Georgie vlog nine? I did. You have any thoughts or for for the before he I make him give me false praise about it on the spot. Um I just put out <laughs> a video Georgie Vlog Nine where um, George, I got pigeons for Georgie and I, I did I, over a three day period I did some recording of the work I did with her. And just put out a video of that. So, all right. Yeah, I knew you. I knew you were going to ask me because you like to ask <laughs> me in, in the podcast. Did you watch my video? And it's like, <laughs> yes, Elliot, I watched all your videos. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I'm curious I mean, what your feedback was, good or bad. Like, just like I said on the video, like pros, cons. Um, no, I thought it was interesting to watch, like uh, her reaction to the first bird, kind of just chasing around and barking at it, and she she didn't know what to do, right? And so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's common a lot of times, but that's why you do the live bird before you get out to the hunt. And by the end of it, she, she's like, oh yeah, I got this. Um, you know, 
I, yeah, I don't know. I think you're, you're kind of talking about her killing, killing the pigeons a little bit too. And I mean, I don't think that's really anything to like worry about. Cause nah, yeah, those pigeons died. Like two of them died on the first retrieve. It's just like, I mean, she breathed on them and they died <laughs> and I, it was crazy. I could not believe how quickly those things passed away. The first one, I'll tell you, I, I was absolutely a little discouraged after day one, because in my mind, I thought she was just going to be this killer, you know, that just like ran out there and just nailed it. And she wasn't afraid, but she was certainly like, what is this? And, and I was, I was surprised about that. And so I went straight to, I was like, okay, should I contact Chris Jobman and ask him? But I'm like, Chris Jobman is like such, I know how busy he is. And so I, I feel like I have like these certain number of like help me cards. <laughs> like I'm playing a game and I've got like call Chris Jobman for help and I've got like five of them. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I did. So I went to the retrievertrainer.com and it was like common after common, even Freddie King common. It's like, Oh, this is normal. Especially in a dog at that age. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what I did notice about myself. I noticed a, the, I'd say the biggest benefit of this for me is that I got to watch myself Cause I had 35 minutes of recordings and I shrank it down to nine. And so I got to watch a lot of my own personal training. It was so good for me. Cause one thing that I noticed is my body language is a little too anxious and I like bark out commands like sit here, sit, you know, it's like, I'll give her three separate commands within a 10 second period or something. Yeah. And it's like, and okay, dude, confusing. relax. Yeah. Yeah. Relax. No, I've, I've been, quick. I've been the same way with chief and you definitely, it's like, you have to relax. But I mean, you can tell that like from that, you, you're like, you are a little anxious, right? So mm-hmm. you, you want mm-hmm. everything to be perfect and right. But man, I'm telling you, she's for a self-trained dog, like amateur, obviously neither one of us are professional. I mean, I mean, you've done really good and have a really far along. So, um, yeah. I mean, even like the fact that you've, you paid $40 and have pigeons, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's beyond what most people do. So I don't think there's, yeah, I think. You know, it's just all good on that stuff. That's all good stuff. I will say she's farther now than I expected her to be. Um, She's to the level with, I haven't even since the last video with hand signals and whistle set that, I mean, I'm doing the full T drills where I'm putting bumpers in different spots and sending her out and then making her go to exactly what I want. And I mean, this, this pandemic has been pro Elliot training Georgie. I'll tell you, cause I got lots of time on my hands. So I'm normally doing <laughs> two a days almost every day. And, you know, with all the modern day help where I can text Chris job. And I know that's a benefit to me that most people don't have that access, but like retrievertrainer.com, you know, it's like I can go on there, post something. And not only do I have all the members, but like frequently Freddie King chimes in, you know, and it's like, it's compared to when my dad was in the bulk of training his dogs, like pre-internet, you have so many tools at your disposal that you didn't have before, if you're willing to put in the time and you're willing to, to really listen to the advice you're getting, there's, there's no reason that you can't get a dog, you know, really, really far. You know, so I, I'm so excited where she's at. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. Yeah. No, definitely kudos to you on that. <laughs> I can't wait to, I've said this before, but I can't wait to see her in season. I think, uh, I think it's going to be really cool watching those videos, you know, first hunt and all that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I say this all the time about chief on my channel. I'm like, man, I think people are more of a fan of chief than me. And, 
Yeah. You know, I think George is going to be your main, like your main character this year in your videos. I think so too. I was actually just before you and I got on, um, I was watching one of your videos and doing a review video on it. For those of you who don't know, um, you probably, Jordan and I are members of the flyways collective and we've got this. I'm so excited about this. We all, all the members are taking a video from each and every other member and doing a reaction video to it where our pictures are down in the corner and we're watching the other person's video. And so I was reviewing yours today. Um, and that's one comment I made. Chief was going after some retrieve. I was like, if you don't know who chief is, you don't watch duck gun Chronicles because <laughs> chief is a huge part of, of your channel, just like Izzy was for my, for mine. And I think that's my videos have been lacking that at lack of dog the past year or so, but yeah. certainly chief is like, you think of duck gun Chronicles, everyone's like, Oh yeah, chief, you know? Oh yeah. When I, when I go to like, uh, the expos and stuff, I mean, people come up and talk about chief all the time and it's just crazy to, to hear that and people knowing who chief is. And even like with this, uh, starting up TikTok and kind of going like, it, it, it's almost like, you know, who your, your followers are, um, on like certain social medias and like, uh, YouTube. But then I have these random people that uh, their names aren't familiar and all that. And they come up and they just say, you know, in the comments, so oh, there's chief or whatever, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of crazy. He's like a, yeah, he's like a dog celebrity. <laughs> yeah, I know. I had a comment. Someone, someone put a comment on, I think it was the Georgie vlog video. It was some lady. And she was like, man, I hope that Georgie always has her head on your shoulder. Like Izzy did. And I'm thinking, I don't really remember putting that in the video. Every time I'm in the car and Izzy rides with me, even from the back seat, she lays her head up on my shoulder. And I'm thinking, I had no idea that that was even like something that was in my videos <laughs> and, you know, and, and this lady is like remembering it and thinking how she liked it. It's just pretty, pretty cool. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. No, as, as like as hunters and having our dogs, like we know they're special and like, we all like the thing, you know, there's the one, the one, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. It's not an inspirational quote, but like it's a, it's not a meme either. I can't think of the right words for it, but the phrase goes, it's like, uh, um, wow. Now I'm going to butcher all this, but, uh, <laughs> like a dog is just part of your life, but you're all of a dog's life. And like, we want like our hunting dogs to be, um, like remembered, you know, by us and, and the stories we tell. And it's really cool to be able to share that with everybody else and they remember them, you know? And it's just, I don't know just seeing those type of comments and all that kind of stuff definitely adds into it. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, I guess what I've been up to here this last week is, um, I'm still working on, I feel like I'm taking forever on this stuff, but I'm working on still getting my garage organized. And, uh, I, you know, I did a video a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, of organizing everything up to one side of the garage, got got everything out of there, um, and then I'm kind of restructuring it. But I built a shelf. I got Chief's dog box made. Um, so right, right now all I got to do is, like, clean up in there and finish kind of putting everything in its place, and then I'll go ahead and push out a video for everybody to see the, the finish of the dog kennel and the finish of the garage build. So definitely uh, I'm ready to get that done. Um, it just – honestly, it was a lot of building too, so – it has took a lot of time. That's been my major projects this summer. Yeah. Because you know, you're building your podcast, your YouTube, your Instagram, your TikTok. Do you ever sit down and, and say hi to your wife? I do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she is one 
tolerant, cool chick. <laughs> Cause I mean, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't worked since early March with the pandemic. So, I mean, I've got plenty of time to be unproductive at my ventures and <laughs> spend time with my <laughs> wife, but I mean, you're still working full time and getting all that stuff done. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, she's definitely supportive. I mean, we talk about, you know, dreams and aspirations with all this and, you know, definitely pushing to, you know, do, do big things, do cool things and, uh, you know, make awesome content. And I mean, I definitely couldn't ask for a partner that's more supportive. You know, my wife's definitely awesome on that, but I can tell you, man, today's schedule has been like, you know, you're talking about it, like all the things I got to do. It's just been a grind, you know, you know, start the day, go to work. Um, and I've been doing this. I come home every day and I take an hour lunch because I live three minutes away from my job. Um, so it, help, it helps break it up. But I literally, you know, just come home, eat as fast as I can, and I get to work uh, on, my, like, my personal stuff, whether mm-hmm. it's, like, boxing up hats to ship off um, or, you know, whatever it is, like filming a TikTok video or sometimes I film a YouTube video if I'm doing, like, a how-to or editing or putting up the podcast, whatever it is. But I do that at lunch and, and uh you know, get after it that way. And then, um, after that you go back to work and then I came back home. Um, I shot off a live stream on TikTok because I hit my 10 K <laughs> and I wanted to jump on there to do a little 10 K live stream. Then I had to go back out, pick up my kid from daycare, come back here, um, unload the groceries with my wife that we, uh, ate supper real quick. Actually, I didn't eat supper. I came down here to get everything ready for all the stuff we we talked about, Elliot. And so we had all our meetings um, and, and everything, like the big plans we're talking about. You guys will hear more about it here soon. Um, and then now here we are live streaming recording the podcast. So uh, it's nonstop sometimes. <laughs> it is. I mean, you and I have been just working on our own together, working on ventures for the last three hours. I mean, you yeah. and my meeting started three hours ago. And <laughs> geez. But I, I was going to ask you, did your, um, if you guys haven't listened to it, Jordan, and I put out a podcast a couple weeks ago about how to keep your girlfriend, wife happy. Did your wife listen to that episode? Yeah, she watched it live. What, what, what were her thoughts? Um, I don't know. <laughs> she guess- didn't even give you, if she didn't give you any feedback, then there's probably something that she was uh, not happy about. I, would I, think. I was thinking the opposite. Like she, Oh, really? Give- she would have gave me some feedback if there was something, right? <laughs> okay. See, every wife is different. See, if my wife, if if she if she watches something like that where it's all about keeping wives happy, and then I walk out in the room and there's no comment, then then for me that means uh oh. <laughs> Whereas you, it's totally opposite. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we just said something briefly, but you know, yeah, yeah. She she probably she probably wouldn't have said anything, but there would have been like a look or a a gesture that I would have, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Would have been able to pick up on, but I didn't pick up on anything. So sweet. Yeah. Mine, mine liked the episode. She was, ha- she was happy with it. She thought awesome. you made some really good points about love language. Anyway, you know, I was curious <laughs> what your wife's feedback was on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where are we at in the, the structure here? So I think, uh, I think this is where we thank our partners, um, for the podcast. So let's jump on into it. All right. Let's so, yeah, actually, we got we got two more to add this week. Um, and so announcement on that for all of our listeners. Um, we are partnering again with Motion Duck Decoys uh, this year as well. And um, that's something that me and Elliot used all last year as a product. 
Um, you know, it's the best solution for getting ripples on the water in a large amount. Um, it's like a, a jerk roid, a jerk roid, a jerk rig <laughs> on steroids. <laughs> so, um, yeah, definitely you guys can check them out on motionduckdecoys.com and use the code duckgun2020 and you'll get um, a discount and free shipping. So uh, definitely check them out. But uh, if you guys haven't seen the product, I think I need to explain it just a little bit better. I'm assuming, you know, our, our followers have seen it, but um, it's it's just this jerk rig. You hook seven ducks on it, and it spreads out, and um, you pull it, and all the ducks have super lifelike motion. Um, me and Elliot used it all last, last season and loved it. It's, I would never try this with a jerk rig, but I absolutely, on zero wind days, plan on um, just using the motion spreader and nothing else and having nothing but motion. And I bet you Jordan, that river hunt we went on, had we done that, we would have done much better off um, yeah. than using a huge spread. But so I, I I'm pumped up. I'm really, really excited about it. So anyway, okay. Uh, moving on to, I want to talk about um, HDR Hunter innervation. I just saw just recently a commercial from them from some handsome strapping bearded guy with a budding mullet um, that they've got a new gun stand. And I did, I was unaware of that gun stand. Jordan, can you tell us just, I know this is, I'm supposed to talk about it, but can you <laughs> tell me a little bit more about that double-sided gun stand? Yeah. So honestly, we, we kind of talked about it um, a little bit and then, you know, we kind of, nothing happened of it. Well, we went to game fair out in Minnesota and we had a few guys and they said, Hey, like, um, it would be awesome to put gear on both sides of this. And they asked if they could buy two trays and swing one around 180 degrees. And so all three of them paid, you know, paid handsomely for another tray and, you know, so that they could put gear on both sides of the gun stand. And so from that was born the double tray. And so we actually had it manufactured as one single piece that has a tray on either side that hooks right into the gun stand. Um, so it's, we call it the gearhead double tray because you can put everything you need for your hunt on one side, your ammo, your blind bag, your gun, your game strap. And then on the other side, you could put your thermos, you could put, I mean, just whatever you want. Um, you can put your lunch on it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, that's, that's what the double tray is. Now that that's the best selling product at HDR, isn't it? The gun stand. Yep. Okay. And one thing, um, when I hunted with you, when you first used that gun stand, you would always use your, your lanyard and kind of display your ducks during the hunt. I, m- I remember that teal hunt and I was envious. I was like, that looks really cool. Here's my <laughs> teal, you know, laying off in, in the water, you know, beside me in the A-frame and there's Jordan's, but now you can actually get a lanyard to go along with it. There's a clip that, and you guys are actually giving away lanyards with them for a limited time to go with it. That was a really great innovation as well. So that as you are shooting your ducks, you have your lanyard right there on your gun stand and, and put them on. So kudos to you for those ideas. Well done. Awesome. Um, also we'd like to give a big thanks out to our second new partner for the podcast this week, uh, finisher. And if you guys haven't seen finisher, um, you guys need to check them out. Adrenaline.com. And the, the, the product they have is to finish your birds as the name, um, calls it, but gone are the days of acting like a Neanderthal and doing the Cajun crunch, Cajun crunch, or, um, you know, having miss mistakes on, on 
um, wringing the bird's neck. You know, it's it's up to us as hunters to humanely finish our birds um, in a quick and decisive way. Uh, you know, none, none of this like, oh, I need to ring it real quick and then dropping it. And then, oh, I need to ring it again real quick um, and dropping it. You just use the finisher one time. It slips into the back of their skull. But this way is just the most humane way to finish your bird. Quickest, most ethical way to dispatch a bird, which is what we want. As hunters, we should care about those lives and we want them to end as quickly as possible. Now, that's a weird sentence to say, but it, it makes yeah. sense to you hunters. I know it does. Yeah. Um, it, and you guys, if you have a dog, you want to protect your dog and that, and you want to get a gun or kennel. Um, it is not your cheapy little Walmart plastic thing that's going to fall apart after you, you buy one, you're going to have it probably longer than you're alive. Um, you can get a 10% off duck gun space 10 capital D capital G it's a USA made product. Um, five star crash test, all of those things, you know, about this is, this is no joke. Keep your dog safe. Spend that money if you want to, to transport your dog in a safe way. Also, we'd like to give a big thanks out to our partners at Banded Avery Greenhead Gear. Um, they got everything everything you need for waterfowl, from the clothes to the decoys to dog training gear. Um, they got everything. Uh, Elliot and I have been using their stuff all last season and preparing to this season as well. We're definitely pumped to use it. Um, and, you know, high-quality products for everything and so we like to give a big thanks out to those guys Alrighty, and to wrap it up guys um a couple things i want to say you know it, it helps us a lot when we when we uh, promote our partners um if you guys will check them out and when you do when you do use them and i know a lot of you guys already are using their products which is awesome to see um, but let them know that we sent them your way uh, you know, that'll help us out a ton. And then also, if you want to support us personally, Elliot and I both are running runs of hats right now. Elliot's wearing his right now. He's got the classic coffee and khaki camo hat. And then he's got, or not camo hat, coffee and, and khaki tan hat. And then he's got the camo hat, both with the iconic FDH logo on it. Um, I'm running duck gun hats, leather patch hats as well, and sending out the oak nuts decal with all of them. I got one tan left. People are eating those up. So I got plenty of green. I don't know why people aren't liking the green. The green's awesome too. So uh, definitely check those up. You can get both those on the flywayscollective.com. Um, but with that, let's go ahead and jump on into the podcast. I laugh 100 times out of 100 when you say oak nuts. <laughs> There's not a time that that can be uttered that I won't giggle at least a little bit. It's funny because like I'm so used to saying it that like you know how like words when you've said them enough they stop almost having a meaning besides mm-hmm. just you know what I mean like uh yeah. there's just words and then you like break it down you're like oak nuts oh yeah that's what that means <laughs> oh, I've got poison oak on my testicles <laughs> <laughs> which I will tell you I texted you the other day um and said that I had poison ivy and we'll see how long it takes but I passed the test. <laughs> I only had it on my like leg and behind my ear. Dang so, because the official over and under was two times this year, and you're at zero. I'm trying so, to stay out of the woods. I was woods taking is- the over. I took the over for fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right, let's get into the podcast. All right. So, topic for tonight, we're going to be talking all about. Kayak hunting, layout boats, and canoes. Threw that in there, a little curveball for you, Elliot. So we'll mention mm-hmm. that a little bit. Um, there's some canoe hunters out there. 
Um, but yeah, as I was once one, we started off with canoes. Actually, yeah. With so a that's canoe. that's kind of the first point I was going to make. So with all of this, there is definitely a barrier to entry because they cost money. Well, the cheapest thing you can buy is usually a canoe because you can mm-hmm. get them used at a garage sale, uh, Facebook Marketplace, wherever. So like barrier to entry, that's I think that's probably why people use canoes to start with a lot. Like mine, I got mine, uh, $200 for a, a, a pretty good, solid used canoe. So, you know, that's the barrier to entry. As far as like everything else, um, I mean, kayaks are super expensive nowadays when you get up to like the crazy ones, you know, big fishing rigs and all that kind of stuff. Um, cause I was going to say that kayaks are probably second and then, um, layout boats are the most expensive, but they're probably right up there with the nicest kayaks. You know, it just depends on, it depends on, you know, I mean, you can get cheap kayaks from Walmart you can spend $300 and get one. So, I mean, it, it goes from that to a couple thousand. So it's really, what do you want to use it for and what kind of quality do you want to get and what types of places are you going to hunt and are you going to fish and hunt? So there's all sorts of variables that go along with your selection um, in, in the whole process. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So that's kind of the first thing, you know, first thing I want to talk about on it. And yeah, definitely that, um, you know, just kind of breaking them down in their different categories, you know. So what Jordan, what do you think would be the cheapest? Like it's some, let's say you got a 19 year old, who's like, man, I'm on the most limited budget in the world, but I want a little boat. What do you, what do you think? For like a John boat, man, you're still talking like four or $500, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're going to have to spend at least 500. Yeah. And then, and then just getting a John boat. Like, I mean, have you ever paddled a John boat with oars? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I would never, I would never buy it. To me, when I think John boat, I think of a 12, 12 foot death trap. <laughs> when yeah. I think of a John boat. So, yeah, but I will say that if if you spend five months um, searching Craigslist and you're willing to drive two or three hours, you can probably pick up something for two fifty three hundred used that you might have to do a little sealant on. Um, now yeah. you might just I I did my first my first layout boat that I purchased myself. I did that on where I spent like three hundred bucks. Um, but you have to be diligent in order to do it. But if you have months to spend and you're willing to look at Craigslist like every day or every other day or three times a week, that's probably the best route yeah. to go as far as entry-wise. No, that's that's ex- that's exactly what I did too. So um, I went to Craigslist as well and got just a canoe from uh, Craigslist. I did the same thing as you did with your layout boat. I got my canoe off Craigslist uh, it might have been before Facebook Marketplace was a thing, um, but same thing. I got one for two hundred bucks. I had to travel two and a half hours to get mine. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. My, mine was a twelve foot layout boat. I have no idea the maker. I I took a half day off work and went on like a three and a half hour drive up to Illinois to get it. And I call it old green. And I I tell you, I had to patch that thing about sixteen times. But it's. It's one of the most, I'm very sentimental about it, but I 300 bucks did it. And I've sold, I've sold little layout boats. In fact, I sold a, um, 10 foot Karsten's puddler, which is a, not a bad little layout boat for 250 on Craigslist. And so certainly as when we're talking barrier to entry, my, I'd say get on Craigslist. Yeah, for sure. So I think, you know, I've kind of come a, a different way 
uh, a long way, I guess, in my thoughts on it. When I first got started, I'm like, man, a canoe is better than a kayak because you can take more stuff. And, like, you know, I, I even made a video about it. Um, and I still think that for certain hunts, it's better because you can take more stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you're going to like, there's just, it opens up so many options when you have a kayak, you can lay out and all that. And then the other option is just throwing out a sled behind it, which I'm sure I got that idea from you, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's all about what kind of hunting are you trying to do? So, I mean, if you want to hunt out of hunt out of it and conceal yourself. You don't want a big canoe. The first canoe we used was like a 16. It was a, it was a cargo canoe. It was massive. It was a Coleman thing. And, and we were actually going across big reservoirs in it. Um, it was just built. It was built like that, but for what we're doing now, it would be, it was, it would be terrible. It was terrible. So it's all about what are you going to be doing and which one of the three is going to better suit suit your needs. And I, I can tell you what the, with the H right now I'm running a ascend H 12 and I have a old town, um, sportsman 119, which is a little bit, a little bit smaller and skinnier, but with that H 12 and a sled, that's as much gear as, as I would want to take if it's just me. Yeah. I think the, the big part where I run into trouble is if you're trying to do like a goose hunt from the kayaks and a sled, because goose floaters are huge, man. And like, I don't know, I, I just feel, I almost feel like naked with like less than like a few dozen decoys, you know, um, which, you know, there's definitely a time and place for everything. And there, there's times when you need less decoys, but um, you just can't get that many in with goose hunting. And, and we've even done it with like people running like, we ran like three or four kayaks and it's just, it's still, everyone's taking like a half dozen, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I know you're going up into Michigan more than you used to, but before your Michigan days, um, I, for the type of, of hunting that you do it, when you need a boat like that, I think a canoe, a good, big, sturdy canoe is probably better for you because you were going up and down those rivers. You weren't actually hunting out of them. And I mean, so for, for, for that need, a, a big canoe would be the best thing for you. In fact, a big canoe with a trolling motor on it would be what I would advise for what you were doing before. Yeah. But you know, you start getting up into Michigan and I know you've got the boat, but without minus the boat, just talking about these options, um, you know, where you're talking marshes and moving around in them and, and lots of vegetation, then your needs start to start to change a little bit to more of a kayak or, or a layout boat. Yeah. I will say, uh, <laughs> Um, when I went out in Michigan and hunted with, with Kevin, I took, uh, um, my kayak and they took their canoe and it's actually a super wide, um, canoe and actually, I actually got in it and paddling around. It's like paddling a bathtub, but, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I couldn't believe how many decoys the Kevins brought in that canoe. Like it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you can get a lot of gear out in the kayak or the canoe like that. So. Yeah, ab absolutely. I, I wish I had pictures of the first one we had. It was absolutely monstrous beast of a of a um, boat. I remember one time, man, this is really stupid. My dad, my cousin, and I, and my dad's dog, and tons of gear got in this huge canoe, and in the dark went across this reservoir. In fact, the same reservoir I hunted late season where we pounded all those mallards. And I remember looking over, I'm like early 20s, at this point in time, I remember looking over the side of the canoe and like looking to see 
how much length there is between like the lake and the top side of the boat. You're talking like two or three inches. Yeah. And I mean, Oh my gosh, we were stupid. That was probably the stupidest thing we've ever done. Well, one of these two, <laughs> we've done some stupid things, but that was, I think about that and I'm just like, okay, I think that God had a big hand on both sides, like holding it because man, it was stupid. It was a stupid man, thing to do. And you're over here complaining about 12 foot death boats. And <laughs> yeah, it was every bit as, it was, it was every bit as dumb as going out on a big reservoir and a, and a 12 foot. 12 foot John boat for sure. It was really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to let you take kind of the lead on, on walking through this outline here. Okay. Well, I want to touch a little bit more on the entry point. Cause I think there's a, a couple more things that need to be said is just an assessment of what, what you're going to be doing. So number one, are you ever going to need to drag the boat 50 yards, a hundred yards, 200 yards, because if you're going to need to drag it, you're going to need something light. Um, we do, we don't drag all the time, but every year there's going to be three or four hunts in which we're going to drag our boats. And so for us, and that's the reason we went from layout boats to kayaks because kayaks are, you know, a 12 foot kayak is going to be, um, lighter than a 12 foot layout boat traditionally, because uh, the, the, the materials that they use, and I'm sure there's some exceptions if, if you know them, um, you can contact them. I would love to know, but like your final approach or your Mo Marsh, you know, um, those boats are typically a lot, a lot heavier. So how, how much are you going to drag the boat? And are you going to be in deep water or shallow water? Um, there are certain kayaks that are, are certain layout boats that you just don't ever want to go in over your head on. You know, are you going to be layout hunting or are you just going to be transporting? So, so all of, all of those factors go into which type of boat, that you want to be in. And, but the next section that we're going to talk about is specifically layout hunting. And for this, it, it really doesn't matter if you're using a kayak or a layout boat, just specifically laying out in those boats and kind of some tips in, in what you would need to be able to be able to do that. Um, you have any thoughts right off the bat on layout hunting in a kayak or a layout boat, Jordan? Yeah, so I know, I mean, I know our buddy Thomas uh, does layout hunting as well from the CAC, and he just has like a self-made blind, like using kind of, um, uh, what's that called? Why can't I think of it? Uh, the cloth, like the fabric, potato mm-hmm. sack, what's it called? Just like burlap? Burlap, or burlap or yeah, mm-hmm. burlap. Uh, he uses a lot of that. and I mean, so I guess there's a couple options using that type of material or just making something homemade, but my preferred method, seeing your canoe or your, your layouts and Josh as well, you know, um, is going with that redhead blind and putting it on there. Um, mm-hmm. it just seems like that yeah, for total concealment. Uh, it ha- it's just, way, it has to be way better than anything you can make. Anything I've ever made like that, you yeah. know, just messing around with it. It's not designed right. You're going to be screwing around trying to get covered when you're needing to be focusing on the birds coming in and getting ready to shoot. So, Mm-hmm. I'm I'm definitely all for that redhead line. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Our, our we st- when we started layout boat hunting, we started with um, grass mats, um, not the raffia grass, but you know you can buy those bundled grass mats, and we had two or three of them in each. And what we would do is we would bundle them up in a little roll and put um, 
bungee cords around them. And then when we got out to the marsh, we would lay down in the boats and pull out, pull out the raffia grass. I'm sorry, the uh, marsh mats or grass mats. But the problem we had with those is that um, with mallards, November and December mallards, with that setup, it's very, very difficult to not have your... So typically what you're going to do is you're going to pull the mat up like under your armpits and then your arms are out holding the gun. And so what you have exposed is basically from your chest to the top of your head is still exposed and your arms are still exposed. Now, if you can force yourself to keep your entire gun and all of your body underneath that, but over time, you know, if you're on a four or five hour hunt, it's going to be extremely difficult to force yourself to keep your entire body under those mats. And so that was the problem that, that we ended up having is that late season or even mid season mallards, that kind of concealment was just not enough. Um, they still just were not finishing on as now some of them did, but we just felt over and over again that the birds weren't finishing like we wanted them to finish. Um, but we, that I'll say that was the problem. I don't think we had figured it out yet. That was the problem. Um, what we thought maybe the problem was, is that that color scheme wasn't good enough because, um, those, those grass mats are kind of a tan and some places they blend in, but traditionally, no, they, they just don't. And they get extremely heavy when they get wet, which is another problem. So we went to raffia grass and we made our own, we made our own basically sheets that we rolled up. So we had the same concept, but we were tying on raffia grass because it looked more realistic. You could get different colors. So we made our own mats, but we tried the same thing. And still we were having problems. If you get a couple, you know, halfway through the season, those mats are going to just turn kind of a brown and the weather is hard on them. And so they become flattened down and they don't look 3D. And still we had the problem with you know, armpits up were exposed. And so we still continued to feel like we weren't getting hidden enough. And so finally, at that point, we realized that we had to have our, basically our entire body, our entire body concealed. Um, now every, every hunt's different and you're going to get some hunts where you're on the X and you're, they just are less weary that day, but hunt in and hunt out. Our philosophy became, we have to conceal every single every single part of us. So that's when we went to the um, redhead layout blinds, which instead of like a blanket, they're doors. And so when, when you have doors with a slit down the middle, you can have your entire body concealed and your gun still in your hands and you just do it. You just pop up. So once we made that transition to the redhead blind attachment, the, the the time that I knew that we had finally like solved the riddle is there was four of us hunting and we were on a prairie marsh and I'm not sure about your state, but in Kansas pintails are so difficult to actually get them to fully commit and come into the decoys. So we had no cover. Um, and, and there was four of us and we, we brushed and brushed and brushed and brushed and brushed because we go out with raffia on our blinds. So we get the redhead blind attachment. We still add, I, we use a base layer of raffia grass. Um, I think you, uh, Avery calls it killer weed. They sell it. You can buy, I think it's, that's what it's called. But then, so that's the base layer. But then when we get to the marsh, we take whatever's there and we spend 20 to 30 minutes just adding and adding and adding and adding and adding. 
Um, so there was four of us and there was very little cover. Now we weren't just in the open water. There was vegetation, um, but it, it was, pre it was pretty sparse. So we, we collected as much as we could and we, the four of us brushed until we couldn't brush anymore. And we landed a group of about 20 pintails right in the set. And this is about all we shot this day. It was a one pintail limit. And when we landed those pintails on that day, when the birds in the air were wary and there's four people, that was when it was like, okay, this is what you have to do to, to really conceal 100% of the time you need to be hidden. Basically 98% of you needs to be hidden. And so that, that was at the point when we were like, finally, okay, it's taken us years to kind of finally realize exactly what we need to do to hide and we accomplished it. So ever since then, that's, that's been the ticket that some form of either the redhead, or I know there's another product coming out soon. That's going to kind of match it. Um, or, you know, like Thomas made his own, but it's just full body concealment. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So the so next thing on top versus inside like i don't think i'd ever go with the on uh, the inside on a you kayak. wouldn't go with the inside no i wouldn't i feel like the on top are just better why they're usually i mean they're usually built better as far as those um inside too if you ever do flip over i mean that's you're, you're stuck in it <laughs> unless you get flipped back up um and you hear about people getting stuck like that too uh, and drowning. And so mm -hmm. on top just seems better, um, you know, for that option as well. And then like putting gear on it, you can just put gear everywhere, but on top, it just, it seems like it's higher up and you're going to be, have a worse center of gravity. So, uh, you know, the only time that I see, like that I, I would say go with the sit in is like, again, barrier to entry. It's better to have something, nothing. And you can get like a sun dolphin or whatever, like, Super cheap, you know, Walmart special, right? But the, so. I mean, the Ascend is sit-in. So the perfect, well, the perfect comparison is that's, that's not a true sit-in, though. Well, that's what I'm. That's what I'm. Well, okay, what do you call a sit-in? A sit-in kayak is uh, like because that's a hybrid. It's it's even on their website. It's classified as a hybrid. Um, okay. So uh, a sit-in is the one where it has like the hole that literally goes like around your waist and your legs. Sit oh, in. okay, okay. That's a, that's a sit-in. A sit on uh, okay. is like a bass okay. fishing kayak where you literally sit on and you have a seat that, you know, pretty much the exact same seat that you have on the H12s, um, you know, or a similar seat to what you have on the Discovery 119s. Uh, mm -hmm. And those are both considered, the 119s and the H12s are considered hybrids. You know, they're in between um, a sit in and a sit on. Okay. I, uh, yeah. I, did, I was thinking like you were talking about like the H12 because, yeah, you're right. It's a hybrid. And so let, let's talk about then, because you're absolutely right. A sit-in would be foolish to try to, there's no, there's no place to put any gear. Yeah, it would, and they tip over easily. Um, that's more for your, like your, let, let's talk about more like a hybrid, like, like jo Josh from outdoor limits. He uses the, um, old town. What's the name of that boat? Top I water. just had it in my mind. Top water. And he loves it. He loves it. And then I use the H12 Ascend, which is the hybrid, so the difference is that his is sit on top and mine has a cavity that you sit in, but not, not that enclosed circle. So what do you think about, about those two? Yeah, no, I definitely like the hybrids. Um, I definitely like, 
the 119 and the H12. And, and, you know, those are the only two I have experience with on the hybrids. Mm -hmm. And I have seen, you know, uh, you know, sit on top ones like Hunter has one for bass fishing, uses it when we come out uh, for hunting as well, you know, getting to the spot. Um, actually has the H10 as well, sit on top um, from, oh, I think they're both old towns actually. Mm-hmm. Or I, I can't remember. So, um, yeah, I, I, I am definitely a fan of the hybrids. Yeah. Before hunting with Josh and actually seeing his top water and, um, I'm pulled more that direction after being around him. I would say I was originally, I'm going to go with that hybrid every single time. And that's just by far superior. Um, then the reason I would have said so is, um, I don't want my center, center of gravity is raised a little bit with that on top, but there, but, but yet I'm not sure for some reason. So I thought that with the center of gravity being higher in like the top water, it would be less stable, but yeah. it seems like I'm not sure that Josh's top water is less stable than the ascend. I'm after being around it. I'm not sure that it is. Well, it seems like um, those sit on tops cause they, they get pretty close to the water too. So you think about your center of gravity in, uh, like a a hybrid, like you're saying, it's, I mean, you're right on the water level pretty much when you're mm-hmm. sitting in your seat, if not just mm-hmm. like an inch or two above it. Um, and I think it's the same way with those sit on tops. Cause it's like, they're just, the whole thing is super buoyant. So there's like no mm-hmm. way to sink it no matter what you do on those. Yeah. So totally. That's it. It's more buoyancy. It's, it's, it's more buoyant. Actually, it seems, it seems like almost that that top water would be harder just to like, let's say you catch Josh in the water and, and waste deep water and you're up and you try to tip him over. It almost seems like that would be a little harder to tip even than the H12, or at least on the same playing field, which was very surprising to me. But I think buoyancy may be the factor. Yeah. But, but once but you I add will say the cargo blind, space. And I've never used it. So, but it seems like once you add the blind, it's very similar to the hybrid because the blind yeah. almost attaches the <clears> same way and everything. Yeah. I would say that the Ascend, the hybrid has a cargo carrying capacity advantage because you have little carved out sections. There's three sections. So you got a front, a back and a middle. And it, it seems like you can carry more gear with a hybrid than you can a sit on top. Yeah. Yep. And that kind of goes to the canoe versus a kayak. And so I do think, you know, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a fan of all like trying. I w- I'll definitely try like top water type version at some mm-hmm. point. Um, and and see what you can do with that as well you just have to have some good strapping system you know whether it's like bungees and holding stuff on to make sure they don't fall out opposed to like mm-hmm. the hybrid where you like you said you can never everything loose in there so definitely pros yeah. and cons to both but i i just haven't used the the, the sit on enough to i guess give a good um opinion on those yeah, me neither. If if I was going to try a sit on top, I would get that top water from Old Town. I think. Yeah. Because um, I w- I have been pretty pretty impressed with it. So, um, I think we move on to length and length and weight, and I'll tell you what my thoughts are on it, and then and then you can chime in on yours, Jordan. I want a twelve foot, um, and I want the weight to be somewhere between 50 to 80 pounds. Now, when they tell you something weighs 80, you can count on it weighing more like 120 um, <laughs> when you're out hunting or at least feeling like that. So the old town, the old town hybrid we've got, um, which is, I believe 12 foot, but much thinner than the Ascend is so 
incredibly light, but less cargo space. But the Ascend is about 80 pounds and it's light enough that I can drag it quarter mile through the woods with decoys in it if I want to. And so for me personally, I want something 12 foot because that's better for holding a handle and dog. And then I want something that, that rates under a hundred pounds, preferably under 80, 80 or so under, because we're going, we're going to drag ours. What, what about you? Yeah. So, I mean, there's gives and takes with everything. Like you said, weight and dragging it and, um, you know, just, just everything. There's different, um, pros and cons to all of it. So if you have less weight and less length, it's lighter. You can take it further. The, the Discovery 119 is actually uh, 11 feet, 8 inches. So it's just under 12 foot. Um, and its weight is 53 pounds. So, I mean, it's it's something you literally can carry it with one hand and walk. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. over time, you'd probably have to switch hands and find a better way of doing it. But you could literally sling that over your, your shoulder and get to walk in and walk as far as you as you need. Um, but there, like, like I said, there's pros and cons to everything. So that's great. You're going on a solo hunt. You're not bringing a ton of gear. You got a sled with you to pull some decoys behind you. Um, and then, like you said, the, the H 12, which weighs more, it's longer, uh, it has a higher weight capacity. So Elliot, you can put your dog in it with you, you put your gear and all that. So, but you, you can, you can drag that one, but then like Hunter, he's got to sit on top 14 foot. And like you said, it, it almost takes two people to carry it. So, mm-hmm. um, again, like much greater uh, weight capacity than either one of those two. So it's like finding the happy medium, knowing what style of hunting you're going to do, what situations you're going to be in. And if you have to drag it through the woods for a quarter mile, definitely would not suggest going with a 14-footer. Um, if you are going to hunt with a dog, you know, I probably I wouldn't suggest the the. 119. I would suggest going with something bigger, you know, regardless of the, the brand that you go with. Um, you know, you're going to want to get something that has the weight capacity in mind for you, your dog, your gear, everything you're going with. So weight and length is just figuring out what situations you're going to be in. And I 100% would recommend, you know, the lightest one that can handle what you're going to do. Yeah. And, and, we haven't talked much about, but the traditional layout boats that you can get 14 footers and those go on a trailer. You're not dragging those anywhere. <laughs> and, and I would never buy one for my type of hunting, but if you are in an area like Cheyenne bottoms or probably even some of those marshes, I saw you in Michigan, you can put a long tail on those things and they are outstanding boats for that purpose. Um, so again, it just comes down to what is it you want to do with your boat? And, and I want to be able to drag mine and I'm in a, yeah. I'm in a fantastic situation right now where I've got, um, an Ascent H12 and the old town, um, 119. So if I'm going to drag it through the woods and not hunt out of it, then I'm going to take the, the old town. If I'm going to, um, hunt out of my boat and put my dog in it and want a little more gear, then I've got the Ascend to go to. And I know, I know that's a, that's a luxury, but, um, it certainly just goes to show you that especially with waterfowl hunting, there's so many different types of hunting and places to hunt and, and having the right tools and equipment is, is so important. Yep. Definitely agree on that. I would say on those, the ones with the mud motors, like you're talking like a a layout boat with a mud motor. I think those are so cool. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I probably wouldn't have a ton of places to use them. I mean, I definitely can think of some places I would try it out, but yeah, you know, I've thought about pulling the trigger on those in the past, but 
Um, the only problem is it's like you're spending like a grand on something that it's like a one person solution. If you don't have buddies that are going to do it. So like what you can use it on like three of your solo hunts of the year. So that's the yeah. problem for me. Um, but yeah, I do do uh, one day. I hope to hunt from one of those drive one of those around. It'd be so much fun. <laughs> well, and there are places, um, in the Midwest where you have big open marshes and though those 14 foot, 14 foot layout boats, they'll go in like three inches of water. So you can get out there and you can even get in depth with those that, that bigger boats with long tails can't get to. And so in the right opportunity, they are just amazing go-to boats. But like, like I said, Jordan, you're not taking anybody with you. So you better have a crew that's all willing to get them because it's just going to be you and, and uh, whoever else is willing to invest that same money on them. And those, and those are, when you're talking that big of a boat, with a long tail, you know, that's a, that's a much higher price tag. Yeah. Oh yeah. So paddle or trolling or paddle or, you know, I've had an amazing amount of questions like what type of paddle should I get, um, with my, with my kayak and, and people are seem to be much more worried about this (laughs) than they should be. My always answer is just go down to Walmart, go down to Walmart, just make sure it's got, it's a double ended paddle. That's all you need to care about. It's a double ended paddle. And it's not like tiny, you know, you're good, yep. but, um, there are some that are the ones that we got with old town are better, but marginally oh. better. You, you can go with just any old Walmart paddle and be fine. Yeah. I'll just say that, <coughs> excuse me, go with a longer one. Like you said, <coughs> oh, excuse me. longer over shorter for sure. And then the trolling motor, I, I do, we do have trolling motors for RSNs and there are specialty places that we use them, but we will not use them more times than what we will use them. Um, so it, it, they are good for long paddles. They don't do well in, in vegetation and you have to take a big battery with you, which is heavy. So when you use them, you're really glad that you have them, or at least we are, but just the opportunity to have them, to use them is not as frequent as, as what you might, at least in our hunting. Now, when we went on our fishing trip up to Nebraska, they were just <coughs> money up there. I mean, they were just fantastic <coughs> up there and the, the battery life on them was amazing. And so um, I don't think right off the top, you really need one, uh, but there's certainly a luxury to have. If you have the money to have one that there, they do, there are times in which they really shine. Yeah, definitely agree. So, um, yeah, I think, I think you covered that one pretty good. Um, for depth, um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, if you are going to be in really cold water over your head, you have to be really, really careful. The old town One Nineteen, I would not want to be in water over my head. Um, it's just not a boat that I would want to do it in. Um, the Ascend H12, I'm a little more comfortable um, I'm not going to, now when I say be in water over your head, I would never hunt with the, any of these boats, like on the whole day I'm hunting for hours, you know, sitting in 10 foot of water. I'm just talking traveling across, um, really deep water. So now I've, I've knock on wood. I've never flipped my ascent and I've never, I've never flipped the old town either. But that being said, you know, I mean, if you get a half mile away and you are trying to hunt in 10 foot of water out of one of those boats, and you flip over, you are in a world of hurt. 
So we, we make the general rule with, with the type of boats that we have, that if we're going to be in water over our head, um, it's only crossing across it and we do it as little as humanly possible. And we're really careful when we do, but we try to avoid it as much as possible. So if you are going to be in water that is over your head, out duck hunting a lot, or you want to hunt out of it, then personally kayaks or layout boats is not what you want. Now those big 14 footers with those, with those long tails on them, you know, some of those boats are really, really sturdy and steady. But as far as, you know, anything 12 foot or under, um, you just want to try to avoid it as, as much as you possibly can. Yeah. And I've probably, I've done, honestly, I've done a lot of, of over the head with my canoe and, and kayak and all that. So, you know, definitely something to think about with safety and all that, but, um, I've definitely pushed it to the limits. Yeah. We've traveled across heavy water or deep water. Um, we just try to minimize it as much as possible, just just to really be really be conscious of, about it. And if 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 you're going to be doing it a lot, then you just want bigger. Bigger is always better. Yep. All right. So dealing with dogs, um, <laughs> uh, definitely you know something that we both got a lot of experience with. Um, but I think it kind of goes back to what we're saying on on the length and the size and the weight capacity. Um, you know, that's where you start from. And then, and then you've have some inner interesting innovations that you guys have done to yours. So I'll let you take mm-hmm. it on that. That is the main fault I would say of the redhead blind attachment is, is there's no, no way to deal with a dog. And now some guys will tell you dogs don't, don't scare birds. And I've seen that to be true sometimes. And some guys will say, no dogs have to be totally covered. And so I, I'm a little Larry leery about especially yellow labs. Um, letting them just sit out, you know, uh, my dog Izzy who doesn't hunt anymore. She was a really white colored yellow lab and I just never felt comfortable with her being exposed. So even before I had a, a really good way to hide her, I, I brought, um, camo tarps and she, and I just put them over top of her and she just learned to kind of sit with a camo tarp over the top of her. And that was okay. But once you go to like the redhead blind attachment, we had to do quite a few alterations and it involved um, cutting the back section out and um, bending conduit piping and getting some bimini fittings. In fact, on my on my YouTube channel, Freelance Duck Hunting, we have two different videos where we kind of show how we went about making this. It's basically a dog hood. And man, I just can't believe that there's that that there hasn't been like better um, better products on the market to to. Um, deal with this issue. Now with Georgie being a black lab, I, I, my, my young dog, I do think you can get away more with a black lab than you can a yellow because, you know, especially on a sunny day where you've got lots of shadows, a black dog is much harder to pick up their facial features and their movements. So, um, but with that, with that blind attachment, we basically just created a hood and it's right behind us and the dog sits right under that hood and it takes some training and, and the dog is going to be exiting over your body a lot of, a lot of times. And you better have the dog trained because I, there's been multiple times with my dad's dog, Candy, and with Izzy, where I come up to shoot and the dog's so excited that right before you pull the trigger, you get bumped from behind and whiff. <laughs> so, but um, building yourself some form of little hood for them to go over is, is the way that we've done it. And, and it's been very, it's been a very productive system. We've been using that in different ways for the past five or six years, probably. And so 
And if you don't have a dog, no worries at all. But yeah. that that's how we deal with the dog on it. Yeah. As far as on, on YouTube and everything like that, I would say like you, you and your channel are like the authority on like layout hunting <laughs> with the blind and all that. And you guys have gone through so much troubleshooting and, and different mm-hmm. styles and figuring it out. I mean, you really got it down to a science. And I mean, there's no time when you don't see on a forum, people start talking about, uh, the layout, uh, boat hunting or, you know, asking about certain boats or blinds. And, um, you know, one of your videos gets linked in there. And, and so, um, definitely, you definitely know what you're doing on that. Well, it's been interesting because from, this is the sixth year of the channel and really a lot of this progression happened as the channel evolved. So season one, we were using Karsten's puddler, um, layout boats and just with basic mat system and, and progressing from there right up to the ascends with the redhead blind attachment. So the life of the channel has been the biggest progression that we've gone through and we've tried multiple different things on, on the videos. So, and we don't lay out, I mean, some, some years we may only lay out hunt two or three times Some years. We may lay out seven or eight times. Um, I'm never more than 33% of the time, but um, so it has the, the videos, the hunting videos came right at the time really where we were evolving, um, with everything we were doing. So it was kind of lucky timing really. And I should, I'm going to actually do a video here, um, in the next couple of weeks and, and specifically on, um, the H12 versus the 119. And, and I really should go back and do another video on just the, um, blind and the dog attachments, probably time to do another one of those, I think. Yeah, for sure. So, um, kind of, kind of the last thing, you know, talking about the mechanics of actually hunting from it, you know, um, and that's one thing I'm honestly a little leery about. I worry about timing and all that. Um, you know, it, it, it's just the same as like, if you look at comparing hunting from an A-frame to a layout, um, it's definitely going to be a little bit harder. But it's kind of, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, sometimes when you're a natural blind, if you're sitting right on the edge of the water in the brush and the birds are flaring at 30 yards, well, you know, the same thing can happen um, out, you know, while you're on the water there and and having the layout boat kind of gives you that concealment you need to finish them completely. And so the same way that if you're on the edge and you need to move back 15 yards to get the birds finishing and then you're shooting them at 15, 15 yards opposed to sitting right on the edge and shooting flaring birds at 25 or 30, you know, it's a net positive. So even though it's going to be harder for the timing, if you're finishing the birds all the way, um, having that layout and all that, then, um, you know, you can deal with the timing and the shooting. So, so what are your thoughts on that, Elliot? Um, well, first of all, if you're laying out the worst, t- whether this is, on the ground, because I'll tell you, I have been through horrible, horrible shooting slumps because I've been laying on my back, whether it's on the ground or in water. In fact, I've got I've got one video from season two where it's called the confessional, where I'm I was on like a three for thirty six slump out of my layout boat. I mean, it was just terrible. We were having mallards come and hover, and I I was missing them. And and at that time, um, I we had hoods over our head. And then we had those tarps. So what I had to do, you have to actually grab the hood with your right hand, flip it back, and then do a sit-up. That is the absolute <laughs> worst type of scenario. And and there's ground blinds. In fact, I, I still have one 
that is the same way where you lay on it and you have the hood over and you actually have to flip the hood up with one hand, then go back to your gun. Worst possible scenario for, for trying to kill a bird. It's just too much motion that you have to do before, before you pull the trigger. So anytime that you're laying out, you want the doors where you either, you can do a, just a, a sit up without having to remove anything from, from your face cover. But, but the main thing is your timing. You need, you need to call your shot about, I don't know, like 1001 sooner, because when you can stand up and shoot or shoot off your, your seat without standing up much quicker and you can pull up your gun much quicker than if you are doing a sit up. When you do a sit up, even when you pull the trigger, if you think about it, if you're, if you're shooting properly, most your weight is going to be on your front foot when you pull the trigger. You don't want your weight on your back feet. Then that's one problem I had with my my little boys. They were always shooting off their back foot. And so you you want to kind of lean over, lean over the gun a little bit and have your weight on your front foot. Well, if you're doing a sit up, that's never going to be the feel for you because it, it's just as as you sit up, you can't get into that same kind of over the top of its stance. So when you're pulling the trigger, the, your your torso is going to be a little bit angled back a little bit. And then also as you're doing the sit up, if you're wearing a lot of clothing, that clothes, the clothes tend to bunch upwards as you, as you sit up, especially you have a little bit of a belly, um, your clothes will kind of bunch upwards. So now you've got more material on your shoulder. So as you, as you shoulder that gun, um, it's, it gets caught in, in that fabric a lot more often as well. So you, you've got multiple factors that are going to create a miss. You've got the angle of your torso, you've got the clothing, you've got the timing, um, and, and back back to the timing. I'm not sure I fleshed that out quite quite well enough. If you call your shots at the same time out of a layout as you do in an A-frame, then, then when you pull the trigger, the bird's going to be farther away from you or, or farther in than what you were anticipating. So the, 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 best, the best thing that you can do is get your layout out during off season and try to shoot blue rock out of it. So you're going to need your own thrower, get the boat out there, lay down, which I did. I mean, I did many things to try to break the curse of, of my horrible shooting out of a layout boat. Um, but that's one thing that you can do. But the real thing that broke it for me, and I talked about this many times before is just multiple times getting into your garage or wherever, laying in your boat and quickly doing, sitting up and targeting something in your garage and change it around, you know, practice, see a can of paint and practice popping up and putting it right on that, right on that, even put on some extra clothing, you know, but it's that repetition of sitting up and shouldering the gun quickly, sitting up and shouldering the gun quickly. The timing thing will work itself out because as you make mistakes, you'll, you'll start to figure it out a little bit because it is a definitely a different shot call then, then when you're not laying down, but it's the sitting up and shouldering the gun at the same time. It's something that needs to be done with repetition. And, and until I did that, um, and I always give a shout out to the average waterfowlers who were an old school waterfowl podcast, um, that that's where I, I got that from them. And once I did that multiple times where I just set up and, and pointed, set up and pointed, uh, uh, my, my shooting greatly improved out of, out of a layout. But it's a whole different animal coming up off your back like that and and getting down a bird. Would you say that one of the the hidden bonuses to layout hunting is that you can more easily sky bust because you're already looking straight up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't even have to do a sit up to do that. <laughs> <laughs> or you can just blame it on your timing. Oh man, my timing <laughs> was so bad. I had to sky bust. 
<laughs> well, pass shooting is, you know, pass shooting is something you really shouldn't pass shooting at 35 to 50 yards is something you shouldn't try out of a layout boat because it's just pass shooting is so hard. Teal hunting early, early season teal. You won't see us in a layout boat either because shooting teal out of a layout boat as they're coming through the decoys is something that man, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult. Awesome. Well, you know, I think a good way to wrap this up is, you know, if you're planning to layout hunt um, right now, it's a good time to start your 100 sit-up a day challenge all the way till season so that you're quick out of the gates. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get that. Get the tummy um, reduced in size and those muscles strengthened, which is something I could probably work on myself. Oh, yeah. Same I here. know I could work on it. It's <laughs> not probably. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So... I don't know. I think this is a pretty good place to wrap up. What do you think, Elliot? Yeah, I, I, th- I think so. I hope there's nothing that we missed. If we did miss anything, you can uh, get over there uh, to Fellowship of the Duck Guns and and ask. Um, feel free to message us, um, either Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Fellowship of the Duck Guns on Facebook, and we'd be happy to um, answer any questions that you have. Or The best place is Fellowship of the Duck Guns because then multiple people can answer it. But we, we'd happy to take this conversation over there. Awesome. Definitely agree on that. I'm I'm looking forward to getting out there and you know, I got my redhead blind. I got dad. Um he's got his redhead blind as well. So I'll be geared up, ready to go. He will too. And so I'll have a partner this year to try out the lay layout hunting with. Um definitely looking forward to that. So anyways, guys, thanks again for tuning in for another episode. I uh, hope you guys enjoy this one all about the kayaks, the canoes, the layouts. Um I'm pumped for season, guys. It's like T minus forty five days, so Um, stay tuned. It's going to be a good one. We'll see you guys on the next one. Alrighty, fellas. Thanks for tuning in, sticking to the end of the podcast. Guys, I'm going to do a little bit of an update segment here at the end of the podcast. So as many of you guys know, as many of you guys have known, followed for a long time on the podcast and the YouTube since last year, me and Matt have been doing a challenge. Matt from Hyper Sportsman. We've been doing a challenge. We've been doing a race to 10,000 subscribers. And guys, I'm calling on you right now. I am 400 down and I've done the math. We're both going to hit it somewhere in late September, October area. Um, And guys, I'm behind and I'm calling on you guys. I need your help. Please jump over to the YouTube channel and hit that sub button so I can beat High Prairie Sportsman. We got a bet on the line and (laughs) I need to win this bad. So um, guys, I'm going to be pushing hard and guys, you're not going to want to miss uh, the hunting content that I put out um, from September on, as well as before that, we're going to be hyping up a lot more of waterfowl content going into season. So guys, do me a favor, jump over there and hit that sub button so I can beat Matt from Hyper Sportsman. Alrighty, we'll see you guys on the next one.